The coronavirus is back. The second wave is coming. And several states are seeing a major spike in cases. Because of this, we must have mail-in voting. Now, the media, the Democrats say Donald Trump has failed us. He has not done what he needs to do to keep this country safe. So we must, for the safety of our people, have mail-in voting for this election come November. Now, Republicans argue that mail-in voting is insecure and voter fraud will run rampant. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like we can say voter fraud will be extreme and chaotic. But I believe it's fair to say there will be enough voter fraud to question the results of the election. And that's really bad for all of us. My opinion on the matter has always been, regardless of the coronavirus, we cannot be changing the rules of our election unless we've planned for this in the first place. An 11th hour rule change, I believe, is unfair and unacceptable. Now, of course, many Democrats would say it's not fair that people would be too scared to go out and vote. But I'm going to counter that, man. A lot of these people had no problem going out and protesting. And you can't tell me that the protests are, are completely safe. If you can protest, you can show up to vote in person. But it is challenging. The reality is, I think there will be voter fraud. And that's the big story right now. In a town, a small town in New Jersey, they are being rocked by a major voter fraud scandal. Around 20% of their votes have been disqualified for various reasons, many because the signatures didn't match the previous election signatures. They found bundles of ballots strapped together in mailboxes, strewn about different cities, and four people are being charged, a couple of them because they were handing in ballots that weren't theirs. This goes to show you mail-in voter fraud, it can happen, and it doesn't need to be likely. One of the things I've heard from a lot of people is that, oh, because it happened in one place, it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. I'll tell you this. Let's say, for the sake of argument, to those on the left, Donald Trump loses. But he loses by a small number of votes. You then start getting people saying, aha, look at these questionable mail-in voter fraud circumstances. And they challenge the election. It goes to the courts. And maybe they side with Trump. Maybe votes get disqualified. If you really want to make sure that everyone has their vote heard, you've got to pay attention to stories like these. If we have only 1% of the vote being challenged or disqualified because of security risks, it's going to give Democrats or Republicans an, an opening to contest the results. It's insecure. In my opinion, we cannot change the rules at the last minute. But there are questions about whether or not it really will benefit, benefit Democrats anyway. So let's do this. Let's get started and read about what's going on with these city councilmen in a Democratic city being charged and why I think it really does matter that this city is Democratic. Now, these individuals, I don't believe, are part of the Democratic Party. I believe they may be unaffiliated. I couldn't find anything specific. But I think it's important to point out that if a certain district is 96% in favor of Barack Obama in the past election and voter fraud is happening, it's kind of obvious which way they would go if they did engage in fraud. Now, that's all just speculation, but I think it's an important aspect of the story as we read. All in all, to be fair, it doesn't matter whether it's Democrat or Republican. It matters whether or not someone will exploit this. But let's read the news. CNN reports, CNN councilmen among four facing voter fraud charges in New Jersey. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. I got a PO box where you can send me stuff if you'd like to. But the best thing you can do is just share this video. I am competing with the mainstream media, of which I actually use in many of my segments. But YouTube is more likely to prop up CNN's take and not give you an in-depth analysis like I would. Now, of course, I have my biases, so make sure you do read and check out other news sources. 
But if you, if you think I do a good job, sharing really does help. Otherwise, if you just want to watch, hit the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell. Let's read the story. CNN says, a city councilman and a councilman elect are among the four people charged with voting fraud related to the May 12th municipal election. New Jersey Attorney General Gerbeer Grewal announced Thursday. Paterson City Councilman Michael Jackson, Councilman-elect Alex Mendez, Shalem Kalik, and Abu Razian have been charged with criminal conduct involving mail-in ballots during the election. Today's charges send a clear message. If you try to tamper with an election in New Jersey, we will find you and we will hold you accountable, Gruel said in a statement. We will not allow a small number of criminals to undermine the public's confidence in our democratic process. I want to stop first and foremost and just say, innocent until proven guilty. But right away, the fact that there's an indictment, there's charges, it's bad news. Recently, a leader of a local chapter of the NAACP called for the entire election to be thrown out because of the disqualifications and the strange circumstances around mail-in ballots. And let me get personal with you guys. Recently, a mail-in ballot came to my house for someone who does not live here. I find that freaky. Now, they sent me a mail-in ballot application and other people who live in my house. We got applications, but one person who doesn't live here got an actual mail-in ballot. I don't know why. I don't know how, how someone applied or why, but I can only imagine if you do this, you will see more stories like this. Why? How easy would it be for a criminal to snatch that mail-in ballot for somebody else, fill it out, send it in? And perhaps that's why signatures in this story, these ballots didn't match. It was fraud. They say the investigation began after the U.S. Postal Inspection Service found hundreds of mail-in ballots in a mailbox in Paterson. Numerous additional ballots were found in another mailbox in nearby Halliden, according to a release from the attorney general. The May 12th elections in New Jersey were conducted by mail-in ballots due to the coronavirus pandemic. Now scale this up to the entire country and stop playing games with me, man. I've had so many people message me on, on Twitter saying, Tim, it's one time this happened. No, it's one city council where they had their city council election and they cheated. It's not about being one time. And no, it's not one time. There are other stories. There are stories of absentee ballots and mail-in ballots being sent to the wrong states. The point is, whatever the margin of error is, it's enough. You scale this up to the entire country, I'll tell you what. This, this, here's the argument to the left. If you think that Donald Trump is going to cheat because you've been saying it over and over and over again. What do you think is going to happen with mail-in ballots? There was one really big story. I believe it was in North Carolina. It literally was a Republican cheating <laughs> over mail-in ballot voter fraud. All right. So you have this going on. And it's, and it's strange to me that if you really believe Trump is going to cheat, here's the easiest way to do it. But they're the ones championing it. Fine. Sure. Whatever. You were warned. Jackson 48 is charged with fraud in casting a mail-in vote, unauthorized possession of ballots, tampering with public records, and falsifying or tampering with records. He allegedly violated state election laws as a candidate by approaching one or more Paterson voters in the district where he was running and collecting their official mail-in ballots according to the release. New Jersey allows a bearer to take ballots for several people and deliver them to the county. A bearer can collect and deliver ballots only for three people, and a candidate in the election is never permitted to be a bearer. Jackson allegedly did not identify himself as a bearer on the mail-in ballots that he delivered to the uh, Passaic County Board of Elections, and he allegedly had more than three ballots that were not his. An attorney for Jackson told CNN on Thursday his client would plead not guilty. He'll be contesting all of these charges. 
And I can tell you that Councilman Jackson is a fine public servant with many, many years of distinguished service for the community, even before he was elected to the city council. Mendez is similarly charged with election fraud, uh, fraud in casting a mail-in vote, unauthorized possession of ballots, false registration or transfer, tampering with public records, and falsifying or tampering with records according to the release. He allegedly approached more uh, one or more voters in Paterson, where he was running, collected official mail-in ballots, and delivered them to Passaic County Board of Elections without identifying himself as the bearer. Okay, let's stop for a second. These guys are, are I believe they're, they're, they're saying they're not guilty, or at least one of them is, right? Okay, let's, right there. Perhaps they just didn't know the rules. Perhaps they were like, yeah, 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 hand me your ballot. I'll go mail it in when I go to the mailbox. Perhaps they didn't realize they weren't allowed to do that. That's, that's fine. It's still a crime. And perhaps there will be many jurisdictions where people do things like this. And that's going to result in questioning of the election, massive voter fraud charges. I'll tell you what, man, this is just one small town. You think the the major multinational billion dollars, trillions of dollars uh, at stake for this presidential election will not result in someone trying to cheat? Didn't we just go through years of being told that voting machines were easily hackable? And now here we are saying, just mail these things out to everybody and anybody. Now I get it. They're trying to do this securely, right? They're trying to make sure everybody gets their, their easy to do mail-in ballot. But listen, I already got a mail-in ballot at my house for someone who doesn't live here. That's me personally. What do you think is going to happen across the country? They can't properly send out ballots to the people who need them. Some people might not get theirs. One of the big issues with Peterson, my understanding is that some people didn't get their ballots. and They were complaining about it. Some people said their legitimate ballots got disqualified. This is going to be a disaster, in my opinion. Check this out. One in five ballots rejected as fraud is charged in NJ mail-in election. Fraud charges, 20% of the vote disqualified. Scale it up. See what happens. Now, here's why I think it's important to mention it's a Democratic town. They say in the 2012 presidential election, Barack Obama received 93.6% of the vote. While these people being charged, I do not believe are politically affiliated. At least I couldn't find anything uh, in my research to suggest they were. We can do other research to find the city itself is overwhelmingly democratic. So what happens in a presidential election when you have criminals willing to cheat? Now, keep in mind, innocent until proven guilty for sure. But it seems like something is messed up with this mail-in ballot, with signatures not matching up, disqualifications. Let's say you get criminals in towns like this. They're going to cheat in favor of Democrats. That's the big concern. Now, of course, we've seen Democrat, uh, we've seen uh, fraud in favor of Republicans in the past. The point is, these are partisan locations where this stuff happens, be it Republican or otherwise or Democrat or otherwise. Expect to see people. They're going to cheat, man. They're going to cheat. So check out this story. Paterson election fraud is textbook example of tampering and could be a gift to Trump from Mike Kelly. This is from app.com. And I believe this is somebody affiliated. Well, let's read. Donald Trump may have just received a major election gift from an unlikely place, Paterson. The news that two Paterson councilmen and two other campaign operatives were charged after they allegedly tampered with mail-in ballots in the city's municipal election last month plays right into Trump's continuing claim that America should not trust any election that is based on mail-in ballots. No, it's not playing into his claim. It's evidence of his claim. Please. Isn't it funny? Trump says, oh, man, I'm really worried about voter fraud. Then voter fraud happens. and like, oh, great. This voter fraud is going to help Trump push in his narrative. No, it's evidence. Maybe Trump was right about this. 
You know, it's crazy to me. Mail-in ballots is not a policy position. This is the weirdest reality. This is the weirdest timeline. 2020 makes no sense. People trying to say I'm right wing. Why? Because Trump happened to have been right about mail-in, mail-in ballots, at least to a certain degree. He said there'd be rampant voter fraud. We're seeing voter fraud. He's at least partially right, right? That's the crazy thing. I'm not here to support his or anyone else's agenda. Mail-in ballots are just a way to have an election. And Trump said there could be fraud. And now we found fraud. Stop acting like it's like, oh, now Trump is going to be right. No. Okay. He's right. So, so, so be it. When you see this and the way they frame things, you can tell that's what they really hate. They hate the fact that he was proven right to a certain degree. Oh, now this is going to embolden Trump. Well, it should. It's evidence that he made the right call. It's mind blowing, isn't it? Here's what they say. Sadly, Peterson case is a textbook example of how to manipulate mail-in ballots, observers say. It's also a warning on how easily such tampering could occur as more communities in America look to mail-in voting as a way to limit lines of polling places on election day and curtail the spread of the coronavirus. Bingo. There it is. It's textbook. Textbook mail-in voter fraud. How easy will this be? And it's going to happen. Now, here's the scary thing, man. What's scary is we're already hearing no one's going to, you know, the the opinion is no one's going to believe the election no matter what happens. If Trump loses, they're going to say it was stolen. If Trump wins, they're going to say Trump cheated. So what do we do? Mail-in, mail-in votes will just cast more doubt, in my opinion. I'll tell you what, though. There's no way to solve the problem. If they don't do mail-in ballots, the only thing we can hope for, fingers crossed, is that voter turnout is around the same as it was last time or a little bit higher. And then people can't claim that COVID held people back. You see what I'm saying? If voter turnout is depressed and we let's say we don't do mail-in voting. I believe we will. Let's say we don't and voter turnout is lower than 2016, they will claim that COVID suppressed the vote and they will challenge the results. Let's say we do mail-in voting. You're going to hear chaos. You're going to hear of chaos and calamity, lawsuits across the board. No one will know who won. Both sides will declare victory. Chaos and calamity. That's what worries me, man. We got some real world stories. Check this out. Postal service blamed for misdirecting absentee ballots. Clerk pushes for polling in November. 13 investigates has learned thousands of absentee ballots were not counted in official vote tallies. Oh, great. There we go. And this is just one of many stories involving the post office. They, they, they send a bo- boxes of absentee ballots to the wrong states. It was like Maryland and South Carolina was supposed to go to like Minnesota or something. Just getting sent all over the place. No one knows why. I'm telling you this right now, man. All it takes is one person sitting in one room, one uh, election uh, station collecting mail-in ballots or a post office sitting in a chair. And someone has a big old box and it says Republican county votes. I'm being, I'm exaggerating. It'll say something like, you know, you know, it's county name, you know, Herman County or whatever. I'm sure there's probably, we'll we'll just call it County X. So I don't use a real name. And let's say this county is known for being very Republican or Democrat, for instance. How about, let's do this. Let's do Democrat. Let's say someone drops a big old ballot says Manhattan, Manhattan. uh, What's Manhattan? What county is that? I don't know. Let's say it's Brooklyn, King County, right? And so everybody knows it's overwhelmingly Democrat. And this postal worker looks at it and just slides it with his foot right under a table, out of sight, out of mind, feigns ignorance. I, I didn't mean to do I was moving out of the way because I was trying to walk around. And then someone misses it. That box of ballots, 10,000 plus, doesn't get delivered. And those votes don't get counted. And Donald Trump wins. It is just insecure across the board. It could negatively impact Democrats or Republicans. These guys being charged unaffiliated. Now, I get it. 
It's a massively Democratic district, but around half of the people are not registered at all. So they're considered to be unaffiliated. Could affect anybody. Now check this out. A Republican sheriff running for Congress claims a video shows Texas postal worker throwing out his campaign mailers. This story is going viral. Are they his campaign mailers? We don't know for sure, but we have the word of this sheriff. I don't think he's lying. I mean, you could argue that he's trying to, you know, disenfranchise mail-in voting or something. I don't know. We have this video where you can see somebody going to the garbage and throwing something out. And then you can see this. Troy, uh, I believe it says Troy Niels, and it's his campaign mailer. To me, he says they were bundled and thrown in the trash. Looks like it could be evidence. I mean, you can see it looks like there's, there, there's, it is a bundle. You can see that they've got the, uh, what you call it? There's like a twist wrap. There's like a plastic, you know, wrap around the... Uh, a twist tie kind of thing. It's not a twist tie. Why can't I think of the word for this? Whatever. These things are bound by plastic straps. There we go. I figured it out. How was that? How about that? But it's a stack of his mailers sitting in a garbage can. Is it possible that he put them there, took a picture and said, aha, I caught them? Sure, maybe. The simple solution would suggest we have a videotape of someone throwing something in the garbage and then someone took a picture. What do you want to say? The reason I'm, I'm framing it this way is because I did not personally witness anyone do anything. We have a video of someone throwing something away. It's hard to prove, but it will cast doubt. And that's all you need. This could be a Republican sheriff trying to cast doubt on the election so they can all just claim Trump was cheated. I'm not trying to besmirch the honor of this year's sheriff. I don't know for sure. I'll take his word for it. It's the best I can do. The point is, it's not secure. Now, the big question, if it wasn't for COVID, why would Democrats want mail-in voting? I think it's fair to say many of them absolutely do want it because of COVID. Seriously, a lot of these people just think, you know, look, COVID is getting people sick. We should do this. But the problem I have with that is these people are truly ignorant. Okay. We had mass protests. There's protests are still happening. And I don't see them complaining about this. Actually, they're saying it's fine. It's fine. We can protest. We're risking COVID, blah, blah, blah. No, it's spreading to other people. It's partly your responsibility. But I think one of the big reasons is that Democrats believe voter turnout will skyrocket and they will win. Mail-in ballots contribute to higher Georgia Democratic Party voter turnout. Primary data shows. This is what I've been predicting. We now have some examples of it, but I wouldn't say it's law. It's not guaranteed because we can look to other jurisdictions where it didn't play out all that well. I believe Democrats have been looking at the analytics, particularly from Moody's and other sources saying, unless they have historic voter turnout, they will lose. Seems to me like Democratic operatives are trying everything in their power to win. A couple of those things they can do, change the rules. They tried getting rid of the Electoral College because they lost and they don't like the way the system works. But the system, the Electoral College is a good system. You know why? California wasn't always so populous. And in 30 years, people might live in other places. So the Electoral College makes sure that states are adequately represented as states. And it's a balance between their congressional representation and their senators. That's just how it works. It's better than just saying LA should dictate how we deal with water in this country. That makes no sense. Okay. So the Electoral College, I believe, is a good system. Not a perfect system, but it's good. They've tried getting rid of that with the national popular vote interstate compact. And now we have mail-in voting and they have the easy excuse. Well, COVID's a real threat. I'm sorry, man. You lost me when you promoted the protests. Okay. You want to argue in favor of uh, COVID? Nah, you lost me. As soon as these people went out and protested and you defended them, I'm out. I'm not here to listen to you anymore. But they really do believe this will help them. I'm not entirely convinced, notably because of California's 25th congressional district special election, the results of which showed Mike Garcia, the Republican, trounced Christy Smith. And this was a mail-in, uh, mail-in uh, ballot. They say both Smith and Garcia held online campaign events and encouraged volunteers to participate in phone banking and other virtual campaign activities. 
as of May 11th, Smith's campaign website contained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say the changes that were made. Gavin Newsom signed an executive order on March 20th, mandating that all eligible voters receive a mail-in ballot without needing to request one. No changes were made to the mail-in ballot procedure, meaning that a completed ballot needed to be postmarked or deposited in a ballot return box 8 p.m. on Tuesday, May 12th, in order to be valid. They said that there still were some in-person voting areas set up, for the most part, mail-in votes. And the youth vote was still depressed. It may have been more than normal, but it was still depressed. And the Republicans still won, giving the Republican Party, the Republican candidate, a 21-point swing from Democrat to Republican. So I'm not convinced mail-in ballots are a guarantee, but it seems like they're hoping it will help them. In the end, it still may open up the door for fraud. Now, one of the arguments they say about this is, you know, they say, but but mail-in ballots have always existed. We're not, we're not changing anything. You, you, you can get a mail-in ballot right now if you want. Sure. But at this scale, look, if you don't know who's getting a mail-in ballot, right? You don't. You go to a random mailbox, you're your criminal, the criminal walks up to a random mailbox, opens them until he, until he finds one. It's not that easy. Let's say they give everyone mail-in ballots, whether they ask or not. Now you've got people who don't even know it's coming. Think about this. How many non-voters have no idea a vote's coming and they don't pay attention? Now the criminal walks up and just like whistles along, popping up in mailboxes, stealing votes, filling them out. And these people will never even know someone voted in their name. That is a serious risk. And I'm telling you, Democrats, if you think Trump is going to cheat, you are opening the door for him to do it. Now, Republicans think Democrats are going to cheat. I don't care. Anybody can cheat. That's the problem. And because of this, everyone will accuse everyone else of cheating. But Donald Trump apparently has one big victory in Texas. They say the Supreme Court sides with the GOP officials over mail-in ballots. Trump calls a big win. It comes amid push to expand mail-in option amid the coronavirus pandemic. The justices on Friday kept in place a lower court order blocking a request from state Democratic leaders to expand the mail-in option, at least while the case is being litigated. We'll see how things play out with this. But suffice it to say, Republicans do not want mail-in votes. The Democrats' response is that this is because they're trying to suppress the vote because with maximum voter turnout, Democrats do win. For the most part, that's true. Not always, but it's a tendency, I believe. But here's the issue I have. First and foremost, if you do not care to vote, then your vote doesn't count. I'm sorry. If most Democrat, if most people lean Democrat, but most people don't care, well, then they don't vote. It's that simple. Shoving the ballot in front of the face of people who are too ignorant to pay attention and don't care to pay attention, I think is not necessarily a smart move. Everyone has the right to vote. But listen, just because you have the right to vote doesn't mean you will vote, doesn't mean you should vote. Some people have said that voting is also like your right to own a gun. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And that's a Democrat argument, right? Some people just don't know and don't care and purposefully stay out of this. Some people don't know, don't care, and just have no interest in being involved. What happens then when you hand a, a ballot to them, tremendous power and responsibility, and they say, I don't know, and they just vote? Here's the funny part. Democrats, if you think Trump's voters are in a cult, and if you think they're all dumb, then what do you think happens when you give a bunch of dumb people votes? They go join the dumb people, right? This is why I don't understand what the Democrats are asking for, because by any logic, they could be helping Republicans. Unless, of course, the real issue is to increase youth voter turnout who they know will vote Democrat and just give them the win or to engage in fraud. Because I don't see I don't I don't see an upside to this for the most part. They're exposing themselves uh, to to accusations of fraud, which will happen. 
maybe maybe that's what they really, really want. So I can't tell you whether or not Trump is winning or losing or whether or not this will play a role. I think Democrats are trying to do everything in their power. And I think fraud is likely. But one thing I can tell you is that Trump is both admitting he is simultaneously winning and losing. Yes, that's right. In today's media age, rest assured that you will be told two things that can't possibly be true at the same time. Okay, they kind of can. I'll break it down. But, but enjoy this next bit before we sign off. Politico says Trump admits it. <laughs> He's losing. Oh, no. Donald Trump confesses. He's losing. Oh, Trump, how could you just come out and say that you're predicting a big win? I love the media, don't you? Trump predicts big win in November, pointing to silent majority. Which is it, Trump? Are you winning or are you losing? I don't know because the media in this country is complete and total garbage and it's hard to know what's true and what isn't. But I do my best. So it's really funny when I have people say to me that, Tim, you're wrong often. I know I am because I'm trying to break through all of this news and figure out what's true and what isn't. I do my best. It's the best I can do. But we've got two certified news sources, The Hill and Politico. Trump says he's losing. He admits it. Trump says he's predicting a big win. Well, whichever it is, I'm sure it'll be exciting. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. And I will see you all then. A video is going viral showing a white man standing upright with a weapon, firing it into a park where a peaceful occupation style protest is occurring over the killing of Breonna Taylor. This happened in Louisville, Kentucky. I believe two people got hit. One person died. The whole thing was live streamed. The other day I talked about how people are going out and buying guns in seriously large numbers. We saw 500% increase in gun permit applications in Illinois. And while I think this shows a lot of people now seeking to uphold their own Second Amendment rights, I think there also is a potential that some of these people, they think they're going to be jumping in the fray. Now, I don't know for sure. I think for the most part, people just want to defend themselves. That's my motivation. Most of you know, I recently jumped off the fence on 2A for the most part and decided to defend my home or, or, or secure my home is a better way to put it in the event some, you know, absolute insanity occurs. But we've got a lot of breaking news going on right now pertaining to the far left and Antifa. The DOJ has announced four people have been arrested. Another post came out saying another person's been arrested. There's a viral video going around. It's actually a bit old of a woman being arrested. So in this video, you can see an unmarked police car come up and grab a woman. This is from actually earlier in the month. But I think this does show that the DOJ, Trump and the police have actually been arresting a lot of these far left extremists. We just haven't heard a whole lot about it. Now the DOJ is coming out and straight up announcing it. But I'll tell you what, man, let me just start by saying we've had several instances escalating over the past several years where people have fought in the streets you know, the Proud Boys versus Antifa. I was down at some of the earlier, you know, more intense battles, not the first, but I was at the uh, second battle for Battle of Berkeley. And I think I think it may have, been, it may have been at the third. I'm not entirely sure. But there was a lot of fighting going down at Berkeley and people were throwing homemade, like, you know, weird explosives in bottles with chemicals that would just bang really loud. But they were also using like, M80s. And I predicted, predicted at the time that things would, would escalate. We saw a, a viral video of a bunch of Black Lives Matter protesters marching, chanting towards a guy with their hands up. And this is in Portland. He draws his weapon on them. I don't, I don't remember exactly what happened to that guy. But when I saw that, I made another prediction. I said the violence will escalate because you can see a lot of these protesters, 
Like that video was really infuriating. It was like a zombie march, just chanting and marching towards him as he points the weapon at him because he was afraid they would attack him. He got arrested in charge. I don't know exactly what happened. But then we saw the escalation of violence over the, uh, uh, you know, between the Proud Boys and Antifa up in the Pacific Northwest, even in New York, in Boston, and not necessarily in Boston, but we saw right wing groups battling with left wing groups. And I tell you what, man, this is what I said was going to happen. It's not just going to be fists a swinging. People escalate. It's what they do. And the room for escalation is there because these weapons exist. It's not going to stop with one dude standing in a park, aiming weapon and firing into it. You know why? Because the, the redneck revolt, the John Brown gun club and other groups, they have weapons too. It sounds like in this video, someone may have been shooting back. And that's actually been, been reported. I think the AP might actually say this. They're not sure if some of those fires, some of those shots may have been open carry protester, uh, protesters or open carry uh, protesters who happen to have been open carry. That's, what, that's the right way to say it. Shooting back. So I'll tell you what. If some guy shoves up to a park and starts firing into it for whatever reason, I got, I got to be honest. This guy doesn't look like a white supremacist or anything. He actually looks like a lefty, but I don't think clothing really matters at this point. All we know is someone fired into the park, and it's the only thing you can say. Of course, the left is trying to claim it was a white supremacist. The media is reporting a white man did it. Let's be honest, man. 90, 95% of all the protesters at these events are white. So let's stop pretending like it's specifically about you know white supremacists. Otherwise, we don't know who this guy is, what he was doing, or why. But listen, as he's firing into this park, maybe someone fires back. I don't know. Do you think it stops there? I, I don't think so. Now, I don't want to be a, a doomsayer or anything like this, but look, man, it's escalated. It has not stopped escalating. And now, you know, you know, people are saying about the election, no one's going to believe it. No matter what happens, no one will believe the results, especially with all of the rule changes that Democrats are trying to impose. Think about it this way. The Democrats are trying to uh, erase the Electoral College. They're trying to make D.C. A, a state to get senators or whatever. They're trying to uh, do this big mail-in voting push. So a lot of people, uh, no voter ID, for instance. So all, all of these big pushes lead conservatives to believe that they're trying to cheat. What do the Democrats say? Mail-in voting is necessary because of COVID and Republicans are blocking it because they're trying to cheat. And there it is, baby. What do you think happens? Do you think this guy with his handgun firing into a park, killing a guy is where it stops? No, I'll tell you what I think happens. Ideological zealots on either side, okay, are increasing their calls for self-defense, as it were. That's what they say. Do you think the people in these park parks, the people who want to tear down statues and rewrite history, are just going to be like, well, someone shot in this park. I guess we'll do nothing. No, they're going to be like, make sure if you come, we get you know the Redneck Revolt or the John Brown Gun Club or some armed Antifa types to come and protect us. That's what they're going to do. Apparently, the dude at the Chaz who got shot claimed it was a right wing attack. I don't believe it. I honestly don't. But they're, they're arguing that. So then what happens next? Somebody shows up. Somebody gets an itchy tr trigger finger or somebody actually tries an attack and then a gun battle breaks out. This might actually have been a very low tier gun battle. Let me let me read the story for you to make sure we get the, the context correctly. But man, you go on Twitter Search for Louisville. I, I can't show you this stuff on YouTube, man, because it, it is graphic. They show you see everything. OK, it's grainy, mind you. But seriously, look this stuff up and then we'll talk about what the government is doing. I'm not entirely convinced that DOJ is going to get a rap uh, on things. But I will tell you this, this video going viral, somebody bleeding out. You can you see it, man. 
I imagine regular Americans are going to beg Donald Trump for law and order. They're going to beg him. But I'll tell you, I, I, I tell you this, man. Donald Trump retweeted a, a video today of people screaming at Trump supporters. And one of them yells one of the stupidest things. I'm not even going to repeat it. Not at all. Now, he raises his fist. And I think he's being sarcastic. And he yells something about his particular race and being empowered, if you know what I mean. And Trump retweeted it. And now the media is lighting up saying, there it is. Trump's Trump supporting these people. Dude, I don't know what you expect, man. I'll tell you what. I can't predict the future. Absolutely not. I've been wrong on several occasions. And it's very easy for me to claim I'm right on some things because I've been wrong on a lot and I'm right on some. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what my batting average is on making predictions. Here's what I think will happen. Well, I predicted a lot of this in a, in, in a loose way. Not so much in that I was like looking at a crystal ball, but I was like, man, if, if you're going to throw an M80, what's to stop someone from pulling out a weapon to defend themselves? Well, now what? So I think it'll get worse. So what did I do? I went to the store and I, I bought some guns. First time in my life. And I did it because I want to make sure my home, my friends and my family are safe. I don't know what, what to expect next. I don't know where this goes, but I will know, I do know, I will not be trapped in my home as lunatics like this are shooting into parks and I have no, no, no way to defend myself if they come to my house. So I think many Americans feel that way. Let's read this, get the context. Let's see what's going on. The AP says, authorities were investigating a fatal shooting Saturday night at a park in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, where demonstrators had gathered to protest the death of Brianna Taylor. Reports of shot, shots fired at Jefferson Square Park came in around 9 p.m. Louisville Metro Police said in a statement, followed by calls, the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department was performing life-saving measures on a male who had died at the scene. Shortly after, police were told of a shooting victim across the street at the Hall of Justice. The person was hospitalized with non-life-threatening uh, injuries. Video posted on social media appeared to show a man opening fire into the park as people scrambled for cover. The footage later showed at least one person bleeding profusely on the ground. Officers cleared the park and police are trying to gather as much information as possible in order to identify all who were involved in the incident. The statement said, no, uh, uh, the statement said, no information about arrests, possible suspects and the victims identities and ages was immediately released. Officials did not immediately release additional information. Quote, I am deeply saddened by the violence that erupted in Jefferson Square Park tonight, where those who have been voicing their concerns have been gathering, Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher said in a statement. It is a tragedy that this area of peaceful protests is now a crime scene. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I don't know exactly what they were doing. I can tell you that a bunch of people chilling in a park with tents is a peaceful protest. And, that, and this is why we need, we need cops, man. These, these, these protesters don't get it. They've had it so good for so long. They complain about the police being there because the police tend to arrest them when they act a fool. What they don't understand is that people like this, this crazy guy, people like this exist. And if, and if the cops were there at this part and that guy raised his weapon to open fire, those cops would have stopped him in seconds. Might not have been pretty. People might get hurt. People don't get it, though, man. All the cops are bad. You know, ACAB, they say. The park has for weeks been the epicenter of protests in the city after the police killings of, uh, of Brandon Taylor and George Floyd, this we understand. Uh, so, so they just go into uh, uh, they, they just go into details about Brianna Taylor. So I'll, I'll show you this, right? We have an update now on what's going on. Secretary David Bernhardt, who uh, proudly serving uh, POTUS as the 53rd Secretary of the Interior, says, Last night, 
The FBI, with support of of the U.S. Park Criminal Investigations Branch, executed an arrest warrant on a subject for destruction of federal property, Andrew Jackson Jackson statue on June 22nd. The subject was arrested uh, at their residence without incident. Now, I'm not entirely sure if this is uh, related to uh, if this is one of the men who was recently charged, but I don't think it is because in this statement from the 22nd, it might be, it might be actually. They say four men charged in federal court for attempting to tear down statue of Andrew Jackson in Lafayette Square amid protests. The government's doing its thing. This, this, this shooting in Louisville, it might be good for Trump because Trump is arresting people. And if they find and catch this guy, it'll be good for Trump. The bad thing, however, is if this keeps falling on uh, ideological lines with things like, you know, Trump's retweet this morning of the guy, it's a guy in a golf court and he raises his fist. I think he's trying to, he's like, he's, he's doing it ironically, like yelling at the people because they're insulting him, calling him racist and all that. But it doesn't matter. He literally did it. That's all, that's, that's all that these people need. These far left lunatics right now are salivating and they're rubbing their hands, laughing, saying, thank you, Trump, because it's a recruiting tool for them. Trump makes so many dumb mistakes like this for whatever reason. It's like he can't just let himself keep the he can't let himself just hold the high ground. He has to aimlessly meander about and then actually help this stuff happen. But maybe that's it. Maybe he knows that these stupid little tweets are meaningless and he knows that these people are going increasingly insane and people are going to look up to Trump and beg him for law and order because it ain't going to be Joe Biden. So will will Trump do everything in his power? I don't know what he can do. Some have argued that he can't actually do that much, but the DOJ is making moves. Trump recently tweeted, I think I have his tweet, he said, since imposing a very powerful 10-year prison sentence on those that vandalize monuments, statues, etc., with many people being arrested all over the country, the vandalism has completely stopped. This this is not true. I mean, it's 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 only technically the truth. And that's and that's that's kind of a a, a thing for Trump, you know, tech, like he he gets the gist of it. The vandalism hasn't stopped. I don't believe in the past day, at least from what I've been reading, that we've seen people actually try and tear down statues. So to be fair, I think he's got that point. The protests haven't stopped. The violence hasn't stopped. And general vandalism hasn't stopped. We've still been seeing people going around smashing things up as they protest in various areas. And, you know, if if, if we're going to talk about since Donald Trump imposed these rules, no, there's still been uh, vandalization of monuments, notably in Richmond, Virginia. So they haven't been successful in tearing them down. Maybe Trump should have played it a little bit more, um, uh, pulled it back a little bit and said, it seems like things are slowing down and the protests are are, are now finally simmering down, things like that. That's fair. That's fair. But he definitely jumped the gun and saying they've stopped because they haven't stopped. Now, whether or not they actually get to pull down more statues, we'll see. But let, let me show you what's going on with these four arrests. They go on to name all the individuals. Interestingly, they're all like they're what, except for one person, they're like Gen Xers. They say they were all charged with, uh, by cr- criminal complaint with destruction of federal property. It was uh, announced acting U.S. Attorney Michael R. Sherwin, uh, blah, blah, blah. They arrested him. They allege the, uh, for- the four men were trying to tear down the statue. One guy tried to like pry the base up with a wooden board of some sort. So these guys are being arrested. And I don't know if this is the, the exact charge they're using, destruction of government property. But this is similar. It says that there is a fine of $250,000 and 10 years in prison if the damage exceeds $100. They're going to say, if the damage does not exceed $100, the offense is a misdemeanor punishable by a fine of $100,000 and one year in prison. Well, 
I believe easily the damage will exceed $100. I don't know if it means $100 by 1994 standards, which is like what, 250 today, but I don't think it really matters. The vandalization done to that statue, the things they did, it's going to cost a lot of money to make sure, look, the, that you could argue the fences are a result of the cost of the destruction. But more importantly, with them actually pulling on this statue in DC, trying to pry it up, they're going to have to do a complete reassessment of this statue, a complete assessment to determine that it's sound. Because if they just walk away and say, we claimed it, it's fine. Then you walk up, that thing falls over. You can't have it. So even if they say, well, these guys, there's no proof they actually spray painted anything. There is, there are, there, there's photos of them like putting up the cinch straps, the, the straps and stuff like that. And then they could argue, but we never actually destroyed anything. I think this, the, the, the federal government will just say, by putting the ropes and pulling it, you damaged it to an extent we don't know, and we had to pay to have it reviewed and fixed, period. Now that's going to be $250,000 or 10 years in prison. Let me tell you something, man. Activists, these organizers, they know the rules, especially about Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is federal jurisdiction. It is not a state. It is a city, but it is, it is controlled by the feds. What does that mean? The federal government has an extremely high conviction rate, and activists are routinely warned not to protest not in, to this degree in Washington, D.C. Now, protests in D.C. happen all the time. They're, it's actually relatively easy to protest in D.C. for obvious reasons. The First Amendment, and you get these groups, they march around, wave their little American flags, or they wear their little pink hats, and that's it. Showing up in D.C. and rioting is, is one of the most insane, thing, insane things these activists can do. But I'll tell you what, the organizers, in my experience, exploit stupidity, ignorance to, to make gains. The organizers know that if you go to D.C. and you riot and you get arrested, it is a federal charge and they rarely lose. Now, they did lose back in 2017. They tried doing conspiracy on the black block uh, uh, rioters. It didn't work out. But the federal government tends to win. And some people actually uh, pled out. And then you got federal charges, man. So uh, what I've heard from these meetings and seen the legal advisors, they say, don't act a fool in D.C. because the park police are feds. Okay, and and you do not want to to get wrapped up in this. The same is true for uh, other parks in, in other cities that are under federal jurisdiction. You got You have to understand what it means if you get arrested by the federal government versus the state government. So organizers, what they do is they take advantage of the ignorance. They themselves know they better not act a fool. But these regular old dumb people, they want it to happen. Let me tell you something, man. A lot of these organizers want normies to get federal charges, felony charges, because it will radicalize them. It will destroy their lives. I'm not exaggerating. The idea is you get some dumb 20 year old kid who sees a meme on Facebook. They say, come on down to protest. We're going to wave little American flags and wear little pink hats. You, sh- you show up and then a riot breaks out and they push you out. They want you to do it. Then when you get arrested, they say, isn't the government bad? Join us and we'll fight for you. And now feeling like they're facing oblivion, they say, please save me. I'll do whatever you want. It's, it reminds me of like Anakin Skywalker in uh, Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith. Return Revenge of the Sith. When he's like, he just gives up after, after Mace window flies at the window. I'm spoiling the movie. It's 20 years old. I don't care. Or, or something like that. But then he like just basically drops to his knees for, for Palpatine and says, I'll do whatever you say. That's what they're looking for, right? They want unsuspecting stupid people to show up. They say, they say, we're all black. Why? Because they want you to provide cover for them so that they can do damage and commit crimes. And then they can blame you for it. 
Now, that's a bit extreme way of explaining it. They want you to provide cover for them so the cops can't identify who did what. But when it comes down to it, they will snatch you up, say you did it. And then you'll be like, I don't know what's going on. I've never done this before. I'm just wearing a hoodie. I, have no, I, saw, I saw a meme on Facebook. They'll charge you. You'll be facing 10 years in prison and you'll be like, I don't understand what's happening. And then they'll say, we'll pay your legal defense. We're here for you. We'll protect you. And then there it is. They drop to their knees and say, I will do anything you ask. And that's how it is. That's what they want. They want people to be radicalized because the law is being enforced. So look, there, there, there's, there's actually a lot more going on. But I think for, for, for the sake of what's happening, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just wrap it up on, on these final thoughts, man. Because I, I got a bunch of other stories pulled up, but I think for the sake of what I'm allowed to show on YouTube, to be honest, I have the video of, of what happened in Louisville. Call it what you want. Civil war, maybe not. Maybe civil war. Is it civil war? I don't know. There have been smarter people than I who have said it over and over again, and it is a horrifying prospect. These people, these, these people in these parks know not what they have wrought. They really don't get it. And it's, and it's horrifying. When I talk to my friends, who are, who are out there putting up signs and providing a shield for these people. There's a, there's a meme going around of Jordan Peterson that he, he's, it's a quote from him. I don't know if it's a real quote, but he basically said that what these groups do is they use marginalized groups, oppressed mar- peoples as a shield so that as they destroy things, if you try and come at them, they'll say, you're, you're racist, you're being racist. And it, and it works in the minds of unsuspecting dumb people. So when I'm talking to my friends, And I say, you need to understand what you are doing when you go out to these protests is that you are linking arms and defending these extremist groups as they try to wage some kind of weird insurrection. You are guarding them and we are begging you get out of the way while they're destroying a museum and you just mindlessly chant over and over and over again without actually knowing what you're talking about or reading the news. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You do not want to see what happens when you push racial identitarianism. And if I had to make a guess, I would say, you know who really loves this more than anybody else? It's the alt-right. You know why? I explained this to my friend. When you see groups organizing on racial lines, you need to ask yourself, what's the logical conclusion to groups of people for racial reasons, marching around, destroying things, attacking people and protesting? The conclusion is that other groups do the same. And what is the racial majority in this country? It is white people. So to the, these, these stupid progressive white people don't realize. They don't, they, 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 they don't realize what they're, what they're doing. And I'll tell you what. When I see a post from one of these progressive lefty white people, they post on Instagram saying things like, hey, white people, listen up, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you, you, you don't realize you are, you, are, you are literally standing on the line towards overt white nationalism. I'm not even kidding. You might not be pushing the same exact ideas, but you are literally calling on white people to form identity groups. You, you, you don't, these people don't get it. They don't get how bad things will get. And they don't get exactly who loses when this happened. These people are insane and we can't let them run away with, with let, let this, this, this stuff run away. We need to make sure that we somehow maintain the rule of law. And I don't know how we do it. I got to be honest. I really don't. But the last thing anybody should want is violence. The last thing anyone should want is insurgency, chaos, or some kind of civil war. But man, I tell you this, these people, they say Tim's, you know, doomsayer, and they mocked me and laughed. When I brought this up years ago, 
Now we have a video going viral. It's gotten 1.5 million views where a guy is standing at the edge of a park firing into it. What do you call this? What was this? I don't know. But we're well beyond the point where it's just some random people boxing in the street. Now people are showing with weapons and they're shooting into crowds of their ideological opponents. Read your history, man. Read about the Spanish Civil War. I'm not kidding. Read about it. And you'll, you'll notice some interesting things. Will it be a one for one comparison? Of course not, because there's different countries, different technology in different times. But there's too many similarities. And boy, is it scary. You know, six months ago, Sonic the Hedgehog movie comes out, had a good laugh. Today, what, what are we seeing? We're seeing really, really scary things happening in the streets. We're seeing businesses are totally collapsed. People are becoming desperate. They're becoming bored and extremists. We'll see where this goes. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. The Chazistanis will not leave. And this is interesting because we saw a viral tweet from someone claiming to be the official CHOP organizers announcing they were leaving. And I gotta, I gotta say, I think in my opinion, it was more like Democratic operatives trying to co-opt the Chaz in Seattle. For those aren't familiar, it's the autonomous zone in Seattle. I think they were trying to co-opt it because the message they put out, for one, it's been deleted. Two, it said, join our, it said, keep the revolution going by voting for Joe Biden in November. I really doubt the denizens of Chaz are rallying around good old sleepy Joe. No, it seemed fake. But, it, but then the city said, okay, we're going to come in and everyone's going to leave and we're going to clear things out. When they actually tried to do it, they were forced to back off. And the Chazistanis said, no, the actual people in Chaz who are living there, they're not having it. And they're refusing to back down, even laying down in the road in front of bulldozers, creating a very, very difficult situation for the mayor and the governor who tried to, well, kind of blame Trump for everything. Trump told them to get everything under control, to deal with it. And they mocked him and laughed at him. They said it was going to be a summer of love. That's what the, uh, the mayor said. Maybe we'll have a summer of love or something to that effect. Then in three days, there were four shootings. Uh, somebody died. Another guy said that it was like a white, a right wing or a white supremacist attack or something like that. But either way, the lawlessness was bad. And after the shooting, the cops couldn't get in because the protesters or the medics didn't want to come in. And well, things just devolved from there. But the Chaz lives on. You see, I did a segment a couple days ago saying the Chaz was ending because the city announced they'd move in. But here we go. Protesters won't leave chop in Seattle as tensions rise. Let's read the story from the Wall Street Journal. They say, following shootings, city leaders and local businesses apply pressure, but some occupiers say their demands for a police overhaul must be met. Here's a photo. A protester stands atop a barrier delineating the Capitol Hill occupied protest in Seattle on Friday. Now, I'll tell you another reason why I think this isn't going to be easily removed. In New York City, another occupation has emerged outside of, I believe, outside of City Hall, demanding a defunding of the police department. They want a billion dollars stripped away from the NYPD. It's not just here in Seattle. There's protests ongoing all over the country, specifically demanding that we defund the police. But let's read the story and see what's happening with our good old friends at the in the nation of Chaz. Several hundred demonstrators are staying in an autonomous area claimed by protesters for racial justice in Seattle, even as its size is shrinking and pressure to shut it down uh, and pressure to shut it down completely is increasing from local businesses and residents, as well as city officials. So for, for those that aren't familiar, uh, just quick context, the activists dominated this area with barricades. They call it the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, changed the name to Capitol Hill Organized Protest. Shootings happen, a lot of other crime, really nasty stuff. And, um, 
Now they want to tear it down. So that's just, you know, the, the gist of what's going on so far. The Capitol Hill occupied protest zone or CHOP began on June 8th after thousands of protesters movement. OK, we read that. The other thing too I want to mention is that several businesses are suing the city because the police abandoned them and it's been chaos. But they're also supporting the protests and their lawsuit. Really pathetic. But that's what they're doing. The CHOP was initially akin to a community festival focused on anti-racism and police reform with few problems or complaints from local residents. Okay, okay, what, Wall Street Journal? Are you kidding me? No, it wasn't. The chop was initially a bunch of far leftists throwing rocks and bottles at cops as they tear gassed the protesters outside of the East Precinct and the protesters refused to back down. So I don't know what you, what you mean by initially, because the initialization of this was a street battle. The police retreated, and then the protesters set up their barricades. Fine. You can argue at that point is when it truly started. But even then it was chaotic. And there are reports that local businesses were being threatened. Many people who live there have been complaining about what's going on. One local business actually got robbed. So no, it was never akin to a community festival. Now, in some aspects, yes. And I've, I've talked about this, that it's mostly just the hippie dancing and all that stuff. But listen, community festivals, don't involve gun violence and dudes pulling guns out of trunks and handing them to untrained people, the Raz video, and walking around with the John Brown Gun Club. That is not a community festival. I'm sorry. Please, Wall Street Journal. They say, but last weekend, there were three shootings in the area, one of which left a man dead, according to Ms. Durkin. There's actually four shootings because the initial, the initial shooting they reported was actually two separate incidents. Police attempting to respond to the fatal incident in the pre-dawn hour Saturday were blocked by a crowd telling them to leave according to body camera footage released by the department. The 19-year-old victim shot by an unknown assailant inside the, the zone was taken by private citizens to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. It's time for people to go home, Ms. Durkin said in a press conference Monday. We can still accommodate people who want to protest peacefully, come there and gather, but the impacts on businesses and residents and community are now too much. Well, they, tr- they tried to bring in these bulldozers and the protesters just laid down. And the city is too scared to do anything because they are toothless. That's the problem, man. They're worried about offending the protesters. You see, they entertained this. They cheered for it. They had every opportunity to say, we are in a pandemic. Do not go out and protest. The same as they had already done for the lockdown protesters. No, they wanted to embrace this one, probably because they couldn't stop the riots at all. And now that they've done it, they're scared they'll spark more riots if they actually try and shut people down. On Friday morning, City crews arrived to remove some road barriers in the occupation zone and began cleaning up a city park there, but were met with significant resistance by protesters who grew increasingly agitated and aggressive. A spokesman for the mayor said the crews later retreated. Many people who lived in the chop have left, but an, but an estimated few hundred protesters remain encamped in an area that has been shrunk down to three blocks following a city request. On Wednesday night, some were barbecuing on the street behind signs that said they wouldn't leave until three demands are met a defunding of the Seattle police, more investment in community programs for black residents, and the release of all prisoners jailed in the recent Black Lives Matter protests. Ms. Durkin's revised budget proposal introduced Tuesday calls for a $20 million or 5% reduction in the Seattle police budget, far below the 200 million that protesters want. The protesters want 50% cut off. Are you nuts, man? Many businesses were just reopening from the COVID pandemic when the occupation began, depriving them of customers yet again. All these shops, by the grace of God, were able to survive and then CHOP arrived, said Brad Augustine, 
managing member of Madrona Real Estate Services, which manages several properties in the occupied zone. We need our mayor and police chief to be united and get this thing resolved. Yeah, what he's really saying is get them out, push them out, shut it down. But they're worried if they actually say that, yeah, the protesters, the mob will come for them. A class action lawsuit was filed on behalf of local businesses and residents on Wednesday in U.S. District Court in Seattle, seeking unspecified damages from the city for allowing the occupation to happen. Among the problems cited in the 56-page complaint, armed protesters barring vehicular access to homes and businesses, the blocking of police from responding to calls, including the fatal shooting and pervasive graffiti. Yet in the opening paragraph of their suit, they say, we in no way condemn the message or what the protesters are doing, blah, blah, blah. But we're really mad about what they're doing. They basically were saying we don't condemn the message. We support the message. We have no counter message, but we want our homes and businesses back. Some CHOP participants said the area had already had a crime problem and that other concerns should take precedence. If they're upset about graffiti and violence, I can only imagine how upset they are about the, pol- uh, the police killing of black people, said Marshall Hugh, whose band has supported the protesters with performances in the CHOP. Neither Mayor Durkin nor police commanders responded to a request for comment. Protesters aren't all on the same page, adding to the complexity of ending the occupation. One community organizer who asked not to be ID'd uh, said she had hoped the protesters would sit down with the mayor and negotiate a compromise. She expressed sympathy for the businesses. I am not an advocate for anyone taking over anyone else's property, she said. But other organizers said they aren't interested in any meetings. Let it be clear. We will not be bought off. Nadia Miller, representative for, of a group called the Black Collective Voice, said in a statement, we are here to dismantle systemic racism. Well, you know what, Mayor Durkin? You know what, uh, uh, Governor Inslee? You reap what you have sown. You've supported this and you've backed yourself into a corner. What are you going to do? Are you going to tell these people, GTFO, we don't care about your protest? Or are you, are you now forced to actually negotiate even though they have zero leverage? Think about this. If the city wanted to, Mayor Durkin could snap her fingers and the cops would push it all out. That guy laying on the ground in front of that bulldozer, they walk up, they pick him up, they walk him up, they don't got to arrest the guy. They can literally just grab him and move him and they can carry on with business, but they can't. They've backed themselves into this corner to, while, to, to where now they can't come out against the protests. So now you have to negotiate. You gave up a strong position as the executive of this city. And now these activists are demanding a 50% reduction from the police. Think about how absurd that is. These people have nothing to offer. They have nothing to give. And they have, they have pr- uh, produced nothing for this place other than useful tools for your politics. So I guess Trump didn't take the bait, right? Trump didn't come in, didn't clear it out. It's your problem. That's what Trump's been saying. Meanwhile, what's the DOJ doing? The DOJ has been seeking out and arresting Antifa over the past month. Trump said hundreds of arrests. I don't know if that's true. We'll see. Recently, we saw the DOJ charged four individuals. I believe three are still at large, but one has been arrested. It was a late night uh, warrant execution. Got the person. I don't know which person was arrested. But yeah, it looks like Bill Barr and the DOJ are making some serious moves to go after these people who would like to vandalize and tear down statues, destroy property and riot. And you got to understand, man, they've already caught a couple of these rioters. These, these, these dumb kids, they do not understand what is happening. They go out. They think they're playing games. And now they're going to find themselves in prison for 10 years. Okay, maybe it's, it's probably not going to be 10 years, to be honest. These first time offenders who tried tearing on a statue, I bet they get probation or something for real. A couple of years, maybe, maybe some, some serious fines contributing to the cost of, 
an assessment on these statues, many to repair them. Of the people who've been arrested so far, I really don't think they're going to see, you know, 10 years. But one thing you got to consider for all these people who may get arrested is that they may have prior charges for other things. So if they got arrested for protesting and it was a slap on the wrist, typically what they do, I can speak for New York, is that if you're out protesting, say, block, say you're blocking a road, they'll arrest you for obstructing a roadway, which is a minor, minor offense. And they'll, they'll, they'll release you and say, if you commit any more crimes, then we bring this one back up. So typically you'll get like a court supervision charge. Once the court supervision is over, the charge never appears in your record because look, we get it. We're, we're, uh, we're a pretty good country, to be honest. We understand what civil disobedience is. When you march on a street and get arrested, you get positive attention. The repercussions are minor. You'll spend, you spend a day or two in jail. They'll let you out and say, don't do it again in six months. So it's honestly, it's, it's kind of fair. I mean, you're disruptive, but they're, they're telling you it's like not really a penalty. But here's the point. If these people have these charges or in these circumstances and then find themselves getting arrested for more serious crimes, they'll bring up the prior and use it against them. So they still can do that. Just because they're being nice to you doesn't mean it can't be held against you in the future. So as these people start getting rounded up and arrested, do not be surprised if, you know, we see a perp walk and some of these people get harsher penalties. So to, to, uh, to simplify, many of the first time offenders may get a slap on the wrist. I didn't know what I was doing. It was, I was caught up in the moment, whatever. Okay, fine. Probation. You're in trouble. You can't leave your state, blah, blah, blah. Some of these people are going to have past charges from their activism, in which case they're going to be like, you've done this three or four times, 10 years. Boom. And these people are not going to do well in prison, man. They are not. They don't, they don't understand, uh, you know, like I'm not going to pretend like I know what prison is like for the most part, but these people are not going to be white collar criminals going to some foofy resort. They're going to be going to federal prison. And the people who are going to be there are not going to stand for their hippy dippy leftism. It's just not going to happen. But there is more going on in, in terms of law enforcement. Check this out. Andy No to testify against Antifa. Internet calls it a clown show for letting a vile racist brief the panel. Many social media users supported him, saying Antifa threw concrete milkshakes at him and punched him while he was doing his job. Now, first, let me tell you about Mr. Andy No. He's a journalist. He typically covers left and right, mostly Antifa. He tweets information about what Antifa is doing in the Pacific Northwest, but, but also in other places. Now, in my personal opinion, Andy does a moderately good job. I say moderately um, because I generally think he's doing good work. But he, he recently did. Uh, here's my, my honest opinion. He did a story about his, you know, his days staying inside the Chaz. And it was like a terrifying experience. And I kind of roll my eyes at this because of the editorialization. Look, I understand why Andy would be uh, scared. He was pelted and brutally beaten. So yeah, it's probably terrifying for him to go down with a mask on and, 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 and mill about inside Chaz. But I do think it's very important that if you're going to try and maintain that position and be honest about what Antifa is and what they're doing, you don't need to heavily editorialize with it was scary, it was terrifying. Go in there and tell us what's really happening, okay? But, I, uh, but I'm not saying this to, to come down too hard on Andy just because I'm just saying the editorialization was, was fairly thick. But this is interesting. Apparently, uh, Jim Jordan, I guess, or he, he, Andy No is being brought in. Let's read this. They say, journalist Andy No filed a lawsuit against far left group Antifa on June 4th for waging a campaign of terror and harassment against him. Just days after President Trump blamed them for inciting violence during anti-police protests. No said he had been assaulted, stalked, threatened and robbed by members of the group in Portland, even suffering a brain hemorrhage after being assaulted in June 2019, according to The Washington Times. So we, we, I understand the, the, the lawsuit. 
But uh, is this? Are they gonna, are they going to talk about this article? Is supposed to be talking about? Here we go. Test, uh, his his testimony. So here we go. Um, they mentioned the lawsuit, and they say, and now Noah is being brought in to testify against Antifa. People are rather struck with this strange turn of events and say that it doesn't make sense, saying this is a complete mockery. Noah will be briefing the Oversight Committee on June 29th. Now, I chose this article for a reason because it highlights the criticism from many of these people. And Andy is being brought in because he is not a proponent of Antifa. Many of these people in media are absolutely proponents of Antifa and violence and extremism and this insane dogma. And anyone who dares oppose them is a right-wing extremist, blah, blah, you get the point. Andy No is one of the preeminent experts on far-left extremism, and he's been covering it, for, uh, covering it for a long time. Now, I do think that there's a challenge here. We do need someone to testify to Congress about Antifa, but you either have supporters or opponents. There's no real like neutral arbiter of what Antifa is and what they do. So the best thing you could probably do is get someone like Andy No, but because he's been subjected to terror by them and he's suing, it does create a bit of a conflict of interest. That being said, fine, have Andy No testify before Congress. He can explain these things and say why he's doing them. And then we'll hear an opposition voice explaining what Antifa is. So here's, here's some of the criticism. They say this. They seriously letting Andy No testify? The guy who put together kill lists for Adam Waffen? A Twitter user noted, another echoed the sentiment, Andy No is best known for, for providing kill lists to Adam Waffen and being a threat to our communities. This is 100% false. It was made up in the attempt to smear Andy No. The reality is Andy No tweets out mugshots and police reports, typically of Antifa and other extremist individuals. And because of this, they are misframing it as though he's creating a list for people. It's just absolutely not true. It's fake news. They tried doing something similar to me, but I don't post mugshots. It's a go-to thing they do to try and target journalists. So when I was at, I was covering a protest outside of a Mike Cernovich event in New York, and these people, some, some people started screaming that I was doxing people, that I was trying to film their faces for the far right, which is absolutely not true. I've provided nothing to the far right. I've published no names or addresses or anything like that. And so that's what they try to do, but it doesn't work. You know, they, 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 they really do try and come after me, but I got to tell you, man, my opinions on policy are, are, are fairly center left. I have like 90% of the politicians I've supported have been Democrats. I recently donated to one Republican and I, it was Sean Parnell. But before this, all Democrats, Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, um, uh, Michelle Crusoe Cabrera. I even donated to a progressive, absolutely, who is challenging Nancy Pelosi. And I've explained all of this in the past. My positions tend to be fairly left. I just don't like the woke culty stuff, the authoritarianism. That being, that being said, I have absolutely flipped on the Second Amendment for sure. I got, I got to be honest, man. I think a lot of my politics and opinions are very similar to Joe Rogan's. And I think a lot of people's are. It's like you're, you're pretty lefty on a lot of issues. Like, yeah, universal health care would be great and things like that. But Joe's pretty, pretty pro 2A. And this is a problem for the woke left. You have reasonable, sane, you know, fairly moderate liberal types and even far left on a lot of policies, and it upsets their authoritarian narrative. They like Antifa being able to go around, beat people, terrorizing them because it gets them what they want. The way I've explained it in the past, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, they're scared. The left wing mob will show up and throw bricks through their windows. Conservatives and moderates will not do this. 
That's why these people in media need to smear people like Andy No, because when he was brutally beaten by Antifa, articles popped up saying he was tricking, he was manipulating the media into, into, into uh, you know, defending him and condemning Antifa. Oh, please, dude. Antifa does not mean anti-fascist. Antifa is Antifa. It is a colloquial noun representing a group of far-left ideologies that fly the same flag and typically represent the same thing. They are far-left extremists who pretend we're called the good guys. That means we can't be the bad guys, and they're called the bad guys. Therefore, they're always the bad guys. And you know what? People believe it. They eat this propaganda up. But if you really want to break down what Antifa was, you have to look at their individual cells. Andy No can do this. Andy No can name names. Andy No can point to how they fund, when they're armed, where they train, and that's why they have to come after him. Now, for the most part, they don't come after me because I'm not targeting them specifically. But they do try and come after me because I am a bit of resistance, right? I'm surprised they're not going after Bill Maher. That dude's way more prominent than I am. And they kind of try, but I think Bill Maher is like the, the biggest threat to the far left. And I really do mean it. Think about it. Dude's got TDS, hardcore. He hates Trump. So he really does communicate effectively to a lot of liberals who hate Donald Trump. But then he calls these people out and insults them. And he uses a lot of intellectual dark web and moderate liberal talking points. Dare I say, I like what Bill Maher has to say. If Bill Maher didn't have Trump derangement syndrome and was just moderately critical of Trump, I'd, be, I'd probably be 100% on board with him. But TDS. So it's like 90%. I like Bill Maher. I really do. I think he says a lot of good things. So they don't like Bill Maher. And they're not necessarily going to come after him. But Andy No, totally different ballgame. He is a direct threat, especially if he goes and testifies to, uh, to Congress. They call him a racist and a fascist. Yes, the gay uh, child of Vietnamese immigrants, Andy No. It's desperate. They're scared of him. He is a minority group. He's a, margin- he's a marginalized voice in several different communities, and he opposes their authoritarianism. This cr- creates a serious problem for these people. However, many others appear to be interested in what Andy has to say. Andy No covers Antifa violence. They've attacked him. Despite what the leftist Twitter mob says, he is not a white nationalist. Andy is an Asian American. His parents came to the U.S. as refugees from Vietnam before he was born. I look forward to hearing from him, one person wrote. What's wrong with Andy no testifying? Antifa threw concrete milkshakes at him and punched him while he was doing his job. Oh, that's right. Everyone made him out to be nuts for warning people about Antifa. Get a grit. And I err with that sentiment, right? I, I, I should say I agree with that sentiment. Um, Andy No will provide important context and interesting testimony to Congress to actually get a fair view outside of the mainstream media. Mainstream political blogs have been dominated by zealot, ex- zealots, fanatics, and extremists. They will support Antifa for two reasons. One, because they agree with the violence, it supports their ideology, or two, they're terrified of them. Andy isn't, so they really are terrified of him. We'll see how things play out for Andy and the Chaz. And, uh, I'll have more updates for you as it comes. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net, and I will see you all then. Ladies and gentlemen, dare I say we may have reached the get woke, go broke crescendo. $790 million loss in sales for Nike. And they're going to be laying people off. Now, to be fair, this is not the crescendo for which I speak. This is partly due to COVID, but we are seeing Nike lose a ton of money not just because of COVID, which I wonder, does this have something to do with Colin Kaepernick, the riots and vandalism and everything that he hath wrought? Now, 
Let's get to, I, I don't know for sure, we'll read the story, but let's get to the actual get woke, go broke crescendo, which includes Nike. It includes Starbucks, Coca-Cola, and Unilever, among many other companies, their subsidiaries. And what do I mean by get woke, go broke? All of this insane wokeness has become so toxic and polarizing. There's no effective way to advertise anymore. And all of these companies are losing money. So they have just snapped. And now they're not going to be advertising anymore. So it's not necessarily the same thing as what we typically call a get woke, go broke. Because Nike is losing money, partly due to COVID. They say it's not entirely, though. But the fact that many of these companies like YouTube, Twitter, or, or any, of these, any of these companies are now seeing their businesses threatened due to the rapid polarization due to, for the most part, the wokeness. Well, there you go. This is like, this is like macro level get woke, go broke, right? The social media companies that entertain the ever increasing psychosis of the insane far left and, the media, and, and, and these big corporate brands that, that pandered to them through advertisements. And now it's come to the point where, look, if Unilever, Starbucks, or Coke runs an advertisement, everybody's going to get mad. So some people are trying to pass this off like these companies are boycotting Facebook specifically because it's a stop the hate campaign. And they'll, they'll try and play it that way. But the reality is these companies have straight up said it's just too toxic. And there you have it. Well, let's see what's going on with Nike, because this one isn't necessarily an overt get well, go broke. But I got to tell you, man, that Colin Kaepernick campaign, you know, you just do it, you know, sacrifice everything or whatever. I think they really hurt him. And I think now they're seeing a major loss, partly because of COVID, but not entirely. USA Today reports China, one of Nike's biggest markets, is growing again following a rare decline last quarter. But that rebound wasn't enough to save the footwear and apparel giant from reporting a sharp COVID-19 related global sales drop in the fiscal fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say sales in the US market were down 46%. Europe was lower by 44 and China notched a slight 1% uptick. The overall decline pressured gross profits margin. They, as a result, Nike posted a $790 million loss. Now, it's important to point out, while USA Today doesn't want to give you the full details, according to Business Insider, Nike straight up said it's not because of COVID. It's only partly and that layoffs are also not because of COVID. In fact, they said layoffs had nothing to do with it. They have to restructure. What does that restructuring mean? Something happened outside of COVID that hurt Nike in such a way. Based on what we're seeing with many of these other brands, I have to speculate that, I mean, we're seeing it get well go broke, right? To be fair, I don't know for sure. But the point of this video is not to accuse Nike of losing money because they chose to sign Colin Kaepernick, but to point out uh, all these other companies that are dropping advertising because of the rapid polarization. So it's not necessarily in a broad view, like I mentioned, the same way we view it. Now, I also want to be fair to Nike. According to polls, Black Lives Matter is very, very popular. So I don't see why they should be losing money because of these woke ads. But just because Black Lives Matter is now more popular, according to these polls, assuming the polls are true, doesn't mean that Nike's true base support the protests. You see, regular people who are not initiated might more be more likely to support Black Lives Matter. But conservatives and, you know, football bros and athletes may be more conservative. Maybe they don't like it. Maybe they're pulling away. And that could be true, too. Now, again, COVID played a role in this. But check this out. Starbucks is the latest company to pause advertising across social media platforms. They say uh, it will be pausing advertising on all social media platforms and promises to have discussions internally 
and with media partners and civil rights organizations to stop the spread of hate speech. The company will continue to post on social media without paid promotion and announced Sunday. Now they go on to say this is a, you know, they want to end hate speech and all this, but you got to understand this goes beyond just the Facebook campaign. The campaign called Stop Hate for Profit is trying to get Facebook to change its rules so that, you know, hate speech is banned or something. And Facebook has agreed to do it, even though Facebook is already heavily biased. I don't know how else you can ban hate speech other than straight up saying hate speech is banned. The weirdest thing is, no matter how many times these social media platforms say they're banning hate speech and then implement rules saying hate speech is banned, they still get accused of not banning hate speech. It seems like no matter what you do, they just want to destroy you. Maybe people like Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey would do well to stop bending over backwards to the mob. But this isn't about stop hate for profit. Starbucks is straight up saying all social media. Now, now here's what the media tries to do. Check this out. Starbucks is the latest major advertiser to make such an announcement amid a boycott that began with Facebook, but is now hitting other social media platforms. Coca-Cola on Friday, who said it would pause advertising on all social media platforms globally, while Unilever is halting advertising on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter in the US through December 31st. On Saturday, Spirit's giant uh, Diageo said it was pausing paid advertising globally on major social media platforms beginning in July. A Starbucks spokesman said this social media pause will not include YouTube, which is owned by Google. So it looks like I'll be safe. I don't got to worry about losing money. You see, the thing is the apocalypse already came for Google. Google implemented a bunch of changes. But more importantly, these platforms own advertising. Google owns the majority of it. So these companies can't really afford to bail out. But we already saw Coca-Cola. We already saw Unilever. Unilever straight up said the polarized atmosphere. I'm pretty sure the rest of the companies are doing this too. Listen, if social media companies upheld their rules evenly and didn't create rules for the woke, then these companies would not have lost these advertisers. And, and, and look, to be fair, it goes, it goes to the far right too. YouTube had a really, really wide open platform. So they, it, you know what? No, I take this back. It's getting woke that caused all the damage. Let's be honest. It wasn't the far right that was complaining about advertising. They were the ones cheering for it. The wokeness infected YouTube. So YouTube cut off a lot of content Google, uh, that you know Facebook did and Twitter did. And that hurt them and hurt their user bases. Now, their, whole, their, their goal, in my opinion, based on everything that's happened with the adpocalypse over the past several years, my assumption is that these companies weighed and, uh, the risks. They said, if we ban, like how many people make up this group of people? Seven percent. Okay. If we ban them, how much do we really lose in advertising revenue? And they'd say, you know, oh, it'd be a hundred million dollars in the year. Okay. What happens if we don't ban them? Then we lose all the advertisers and it's $500 million for the year. So they said, okay, it's cheaper to ban people. We still lose money, but we'll make more with, with these advertisers who are happy. The issue is banning these users means less eyeballs on content, less space for ads. So then the woke kept pressuring them, kept pushing them, kept beating them down, and they just kept bending further and bowing further. And it never stops until they have total compliance. So what happens? These advertising agencies, these big corporations were increasingly trying to chase after what they thought was regular people. Lo and behold, it didn't work. We see all these nonsensical ad campaigns continually targeting the weird left and regular Americans eventually just snap back and say, we've had enough of the stupidity. Now everybody's getting broke. 
These companies will undoubtedly sell less product because they're advertising less. These big tech companies that embraced wokeness will now see substantially less advertising revenue because they kept creating rules to pander to the outrage left. Maybe you should have realized there was a line and said, shut up. They couldn't do it because you see people in this country don't seem to understand where that line is for the left. And now we're seeing that many of these companies, while they're suspending ad revenue, it's only in the United States because of the polarized atmosphere. The, the far right and the fringe elements of the right are gone. They've been banned a long time ago. So the only problems now are that these social media platforms won't ban the left. And that's really it. Think about all these outrage mob campaigns that never would have happened targeting Unilever or Coke or these other companies if they just banned these far left lunatics the same as they did the right. Nobody would be leading these charges if they left moderate liberals and moderate conservatives up to talk about their business and do their thing. Instead, the social media platforms entertained the woke psychosis, resulting in lunatics launching cancel culture campaigns targeting these big platforms so they eventually pull out. Congratulations. This is the crescendo. We'll see. Maybe it's not. Maybe it gets worse. But this is a certainly it's a, it's a big moment. You know, I really wanted to play something like like I was thinking of the Ride of the Valkyries or the 1812 Overture, just that that big moment. Da, na, 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 boom, boom. Right. From V for Vendetta, where it's like one by one, these big companies pull out of their ads because of the polarized atmospheres that you created because you allow the insane left to do their stupid cancel culture psychosis. To be fair. I'm very much in favor of free speech. I don't want these people banned. In which case, this was the logical conclusion that I warned about, that there really is no simple solution for any of these companies. But I tell you this, the biased approach was not the answer. These companies know that if they leave up the toxic people, they'll eventually lose their advertisers. And I said this, and I said it a year ago. I was talking to Jack Dorsey, and I was like, you know, I get it. If you do nothing, you lose your advertisers. But you did too much. Or maybe you didn't do too. Maybe you didn't do enough. Maybe you let these lunatics run rampant while you didn't hold people to the same standards. And now nobody wants to be on your platform. We'll see how long this lasts. But all social media, apparently, except for YouTube, is getting hit. So I'll kick back. All right, here on YouTube, still getting paid while people on other platforms are now going to lose money. We'll see how this plays out. But it's not going to be a good thing. I'll tell you this. Look, for all the problems these social media platforms have created with their bias, they're still a net positive for regular people to speak up and challenge the system. So this is not going to be a good thing for most people. It's a massive loss of revenue. Losing money is bad, but maybe this will be a wake up call to stop embracing these crazy people. I'll leave it there. Got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. I take full responsibility for what I'm about to show you. My friends, I am responsible for Cleveland Brown leaving Family Guy. And well, they're not really doing the Cleveland show anymore. Okay, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not serious. But you may have seen the outright absurdity of all of these actors being like, I'm a voice actor for a cartoon where the character doesn't match my race. Therefore, I can't do the voice. Wow. Wow, man. I've jokingly brought up the guy from Family Guy. The dude who voices Cleveland Brown and Family Guy is a white guy and Cleveland Brown is black. And I've jokingly mentioned it in the past. But something interesting happened. Now that we're seeing this big, you know, identitarian wave sweep across the left in this country, as the American left becomes overtly identitarian, we're seeing people quit their jobs. And here was the story. Here's why I say take responsibility. Bear with me. It's funny. Jenny Slate says she will no longer voice Missy on Netflix. Big mouth. Black characters on an animated show should be played by black people. 
I mean, for the, for the most part, I think that's fine. I mean, I really don't care. But here's what I said. LOL, now do Family Guy and the Cleveland show. I didn't mean it, everybody. I didn't mean to make it happen, but it happened. Mike Henry tweets, it's been an honor to play Cleveland on Family Guy for 20 years. I love this character, but persons of color should be uh, should play characters of color. Therefore, I will be stepping down from the role. You can't revoice Cleveland Brown. What are you going to do? You're going to get rid of him? That's crazy. Come on, man. Now, to be fair, Big Mouth is an awful, awful show. What is wrong with these people? Do you know Big Mouth is about? I don't even want to say what it's about. That show is nasty. It's about kids doing adult things, to say the least. How that got picked up and put on Netflix, I got no idea. But I think it's a gross show. So, hey, that's just me. But, but okay, Family Guy, Family Guy's got their edgy humor. When I said this, I posted this tweet. People were telling me, like, stop, no, don't do it. Well, I couldn't help but carry on and bring up more. So I, I assure you, I will accept full responsibility in the future if more people step down from their roles. But I'll, I'll be honest, the next bits are jokes. And then we'll get to the actual news about what's going on with these people dropping out. Take a look at this tweet. What is this? Uh, Alison Brie regrets voicing Asian American character in BoJack Horseman. I tweeted, as we enter a new world of acting where you can only play yourself, I will be compiling a list of people who basically just play themselves and will be safe. Vince Vaughn, Ryan Reynolds, Adam Sandler. Please add more to the replies. The joke is, if you can't actually be an actor anymore, and the only thing you can do is just be yourself, but with some weird story that's been fictionalized, then who's going to survive? Okay. No, you, you, you can't voice a character. Okay. Vince Vaughn will do good. He basically plays himself. Ryan Reynolds basically plays himself and Adam Sandler as well. Now, Ryan Reynolds, he really does basically play himself, but he's awesome. Okay. So he's awesome. So I mean, no disrespect. I think he's fantastic. Uh, you know, they're, they're all fantastic. That's the joke, right? All right. Let's actually just get to the news. The Simpsons will stop using white actors to voice non-white characters. There's one. We have the Mike Henry will stop voicing Cleveland Brown. The Bojack Horseman story where uh, Alison Brie will not voice this. What was, what's the character's name? Diane uh, Nguyen. And now we get to the why. Why is this happening? Why white voice actors are quitting non-white TV roles. You're going to love this one. I hope you're ready to laugh at absurdity. It's going to be good. Check this one out. They say, the entertainment world has been uh, has seen a spate of high-profile casting changes with Kristen Bell and Jenny Slate both quitting their roles as mixed-race characters. Meanwhile, The Simpsons has announced the show will not use uh, will not use white actors to voice non-white characters any longer. How about you get a Scottish actor to voice Willie? We'll just we'll just make sure everything's clean, right? With many conversations around uh, how Hollywood and show business handle race and racial inequality, no doubt still to be had. Here's what the shows and the actors have to have said about these casting shakeups. Racial inequality and systemic racism at the forefront. We know why, because of, you know, Black Lives Matter. Comedian Lee Francis, a.k.a. Keith Lemon, apologized for his depictions of black celebrities in his show, Bo Selecta. Comedian Lee Francis, a.k.a. Keith Lemon, apologized for his depictions of black celebrities in his show, Bo Selecta. The likes of Ant and Deck and Jimmy Fallon have apologized for donning blackface. In the past, uh, in, in the past, 
And shows like Community and Scrubs have episodes which feature blackface pulled from streaming platforms. And to be fair, there's a really funny joke going around where it's apparently like every sitcom in the, in the 2000s to 2010s, for some reason, had to make a joke about blackface being offensive. Now they've all pulled them. Now, the newest shift is how the industry evaluates the way in which it deals with, uh, with race appears to be focused on the casting of voice actors. I just want to jump straight to, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't care about Big Mouth, that show's gross, but Kristen Bell, I believe, is, is truly the funniest thing here. Take a look at this. Kristen's former character, Molly. First of all, I absolutely hate the show Bob's Burgers. Yes, I must say it. I just cannot stand that show for one reason. I really hate shows about losers, man. That's just me. You can like Bob's Burgers. I don't. The show is about an absolute failure for the most part. I mean, look, the guy's got a family. He's got a bunch of kids. Good for him. He owns his own burger shop. He's pretty successful, but he just fails so much. It is painful to watch such a loser go about losing. That's why I don't like Bob's Burgers. (laughs) Anyway, there's a new show from the creators of Bob's Burgers, and it's trying to be diverse in the show. In order to be diverse, the main characters, I guess, are, uh, it's a mixed race family. The father is black, the mother is white, and they have mixed race kids. Because of this, because of their actual attempt at diversity, Kristen Bell is dropping out of the show. I kid you not. What? Oh, man. There's no winning. You just can't win. Check it out. Imagine if they didn't do a diverse family, just had to be a white family. She'd have been fine. The show would carry on. They say the next day uh, after the, the woman quit, the role of Missy. Actor Kristen Bell announced that she would no longer be playing a mixed race character in the musical cartoon Central Park. The Disney alum said, playing the character of Molly on Central Park shows a lack of awareness of my pervasive privilege. Casting a mixed race character with a white actress undermines the specificity of the mixed race and black American experience. It was wrong. And we on the Central Park team are pledging to make it right. I am happy to relinquish relinquish this role to someone who can give a much more accurate portrayal, and I will commit to learning, growing, and doing my part for equality and inclusion. Meanwhile, the team said in a joint statement, we're committing to creating opportunities for people of color and black uh, black people in all roles on all our projects, behind the mic, in the writer's room, in production, and in post-production. Listen, I have no problem if moving forward, you want to make sure that your characters are voiced by people who, I don't know, have that identity or whatever. I just think it's inherently awkward and raises a bunch of strange questions. Like the joke I made uh, on Twitter is about SpongeBob SquarePants. So I think I got it wrong. People are saying he's, they they announced that he's a member of the LGBTQ community. I guess SpongeBob is considered asexual. And so, uh, but he's also Muslim. So uh, the SpongeBob, I'm being serious. Okay. The, The SpongeBob team posted a picture of SpongeBob celebrating Ramadan. I'm assuming that means SpongeBob is Muslim for the most part. I'm pretty sure they did a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah with SpongeBob too. But the joke is, you, you not seriously SpongeBob. People are saying like Tom Kenny, who voices SpongeBob, isn't a sponge, so he can't do this role. But there are questions about obesity. So the, the other joke I made is Dan Castellaneta, the, the voice of Homer Simpson, is himself a very thin man. Is it ableism to give the role of a fat man to a thin person? What about Peter Griffin, who's voiced by Seth MacFarlane? You're not going to change these roles. What about Bart Simpson, who's 10 years old and voiced by Nancy Cartwright, who's an adult human female? Okay, what do we do? Where, where do we draw the line? Is ageism wrong? Is ableism wrong? Is, is, is uh, fat shaming wrong? 
Where do we draw the line on what is or isn't appropriate in voice acting? Because listen, we got people who voice turtles and sharks and dogs. Seth MacFarlane also voices Brian. Should Brian be voiced by an actual dog? Get this. Dan Castellaneta does the barking for Santa's little helper on The Simpsons. Literally just the barking. Now, come on. Brian Griffin is a talking dog. He has a human voice. So maybe it makes sense for Seth MacFarlane to do that voice. But if you want to get nitpicky, how about you get an actual dog to bark for Santa's little helper on The Simpsons, considering Santa's little helper doesn't actually say words. I know the line is not, is, it, that's, that's well past what's considered normal. Obviously, no one cares if a human being is going to do the voice of a cartoon cat. But this will bring up more problems. Notably, what if there is an animal character that is supposed to have some kind of racial component to their anthropomorphism? You might have a character who's, I don't know, an old school blues musician. And now you've got cultural appropriation, but it maybe it's, I don't know, like a cheetah or something playing this. Are you then going to demand that this cultural representation be played by black people? Notably, something like Lion King, which takes place in Africa. Now, obviously, the lions are all African. Should they be played by African-American people? I honestly don't know. I don't know where the line is. I'll tell you this. We haven't found it yet. It's going to keep going. This to me is dumb. Okay, if you gave these roles to people, just carry on. And if in the future you want to change that, for new roles, just cast them. But for these people to quit is just, you know, I throw up on my mouth a little bit. This is gross. These people are gross. I don't care for this. And I personally take offense at it. You know what? Fine. We're entering a world where nothing will make sense. I'll make sure if anyone ever offers me a voice acting role, I'll say, well, the character you've, you've presented to me is actually an old white man. And I'm actually a young quarter Korean, part Japanese individual. So you're going to have to make a literal, literal representation of me and my family and my life experiences. Otherwise, I won't play the character. I kid you not. When it comes to the BoJack Horseman, Horseman story, they're actually saying the character was written to be too white. So what? You're literally just going to write a character that is the person? Well, whatever, man. Art was fun while it lasted. I'll leave it there. I got another segment coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. In today's episode of Everything Seems to Be Insane and Falling Apart, we have a couple freaky vigilante stories. The first, which is just very, very shocking. We had nothing to do with this, they say. Milwaukee woman had just given birth when the house where she lived was set on fire during unrest. Yes, the protests and the riots have not stopped. Conspiracy theories are spreading, resulting in mob justice and people who have no idea what happened or what's going on freak out and burn things down. This is a story about a house that was burned to the ground because people assumed there were children who were kidnapped in there. It's essentially left wing Pizzagate. Maybe it's not as prevalent or, or, as, or, or you know, as widespread but you may know about the story of, of, of Pizzagate, where a guy showed up to this pizza place, fired a rifle into the ground, looking for a basement, couldn't find it because there's no basement. And that's the fringe conspiracy theory that was used by the media over and over again to smear the right and target people. And I'll tell you what, man, people fell for fake news. It's just just not real. It's so easy to see some morsel of truth and turn it into a big fake story. Well, now people on the left have something similar. They thought some kids had been kidnapped. They pointed at this house. They all rioted, shut up and burned it down. It's not the only story I'm going to highlight, but let's read this one first from the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal. They say as chaos developed earlier this week around a Washington Park house where activists thought two missing teenage girls were being held. One of the residents, Jalisa Hall, was in the hospital having just given birth. Hall, 31, watched Tuesday's confusion and chaos unfold. From activists claiming the three-unit house was a haven for trafficking to police finding no evidence to support that claim, 
to a confrontation involving tear gas and more. By the time it ended, the house had been set on fire twice and Hall and her, ha- and her family had been displaced. This is, a, this is a nightmare story, man. This is why we have a system of law and this is why we have law and order. This is why we have a, a justice system to track these things down. But listen, people don't trust the cops right now. The media is certainly helping to sow discord, blaming police and, and, and overhyping these, these incidents because it generates traffic. And, you know, hey, look, criticism to go around for everybody. I'm not going to exclude myself from the media. I'm here, too. But then people hear from the cops. There's nothing going on. This house is not evil. They don't believe them. So they take matters into their own hands. Here's what they going to say. We had nothing to do with this, Hall said in an interview with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. They didn't have to burn the home. About 4.30 a.m. Tuesday, Hall gave birth to a baby girl, Aaliyah. Shortly after 10 a.m., police arrived at the three-unit house in the 2100 block of North 40th Street as part of an investigation into the two teenage girls who had been reporting missing, missing Sunday. When police concluded their investigation without finding the girls or evidence of trafficking, a group of onlookers began their own search of the house. By the time hours of chaos had ended, three people had been shot, including two 14-year-olds. Ten officers and a firefighter were injured. An unknown number of others were hurt by tear gas and rubber bullets police fired into, into a scattered crowd. The girls, ages 13 and 15, were eventually found by one of their mothers more than three miles away. Police said there was no indication the girls were ever there or that the house was used for, t- for such activity. Hall said almost all of her belongings were destroyed when the house was set on fire. We lost everything. Like my baby, all our stuff is gone. Clothes, everything that we had. My kids, my kid's father, and all the people that stayed there, we lost everything. Hall said she had left her home two days earlier to stay with her brother while she waited to go into labor. After delivering her baby, she watched the saga unfold from her hospital bed. I just couldn't sleep or even rest because of it. Local activists said the home was long suspected to be a hub of trafficking, but Hall, who lived in the upstairs unit, said she has not, not seen any suspicious activity. But I'm going to pause right here because I got to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Virtual Shield. Head over to hidewithtim.com and you can get a VPN service, a virtual private network service from Virtual Shield for just $2.50 per month. A VPN, for those that don't know, is a basic layer of security to protect you from people who might want to spy on your data, see what you're doing. It's a simple level layer of protection. It's the easiest way to explain it, but it can protect you from hackers and some kind of, you know, just general spying. I usually explain it to people like this. We don't always expect someone to break into our house, but we still lock our doors and windows anyway. So a basic layer of security on the internet makes a lot of sense, especially considering a lot of us are doing work remotely right now. If you want to prevent someone from snooping on you and trying to steal your data, Virtual Shield can be that service. So again, go to hidewithtim.com and for $2.50 a month, they got a VPN service. These guys are great. They're my first sponsor. They've always been there for me, so I really appreciate it. But let's get back to the story. As a mother of two, a two-year-old and newborn baby, Hall added, she would not have felt safe living in the unit if she had believed her neighbors were engaging in such activity. Now, here's what I find interesting. People believed this for a long time. How come the media didn't cover it? Where were the big stories about the fringe crazy conspiracy theory? Well, I think it's fair to point out Pizzagate targeted Hillary Clinton. You get a high profile story like that. People on the internet run with it. This one wasn't so much, but this shows you how some of these stories fly under the radar and it negatively impacts people. I got to say, man, what that dude did at, at, at the pizza place in DC was insane coming in with the gun. And in the end, the pizza place still exists. I actually went there and I ate pizza. Not my favorite place. Didn't really notice anything too much kind of creepy, to be honest, but it's just pizza. I don't know. We had a fine time and we left. And a lot of people think creepy things about it. I didn't notice anything, but the pizza place still exists. 
This house was burned to the ground. That's what's crazy about it. They say, uh, here's a, they say more. Rumors took hold on social media as people live stream from the scene to thousands of viewers sharing unconfirmed information. Like a game of telephone, the details morphed over time. How many children were missing? Could they be in houses nearby? And what if any evidence was found in the home at the center of the conflict to support the allegations? And after Hall shared her story, people on social media began calling her a fraud, speculating she didn't actually live in the house. Jerry Bowie, 30, a family friend who shared the upstairs unit with Hall, showed his driver's license to the journal Sentinel. It bore the house's address. So if they're posting all of this stuff online, where is CNN saying, hey, this is crazy. You got to stop this stuff. I guess it wasn't a big enough story to reach to, to, to be worthy of the news. I guess it didn't involve Hillary Clinton, huh? He said he was helping his aunt move Tuesday when he saw news of the unrest on Facebook. Bowie said the crowd that vandalized the house did wrong to innocent people that had nothing to do with nothing. Both Bowie and Hall said they wished police had done more to stop the crowd from vandalizing the property. There definitely could have been more police out there. Yep. And I'm not and I'm not blaming these people. But take a look at these defund the police people, man. And there and there you go. So although she's devastated by the loss of her home and belongings, Hall said she's glad she wasn't at the house when the unrest broke out. It could have been worse. It could have been much worse. I'm just going to take it as a sign from God. A GoFundMe page for Hall and her family raised more than $3,000 by Thursday evening. Staff with the American Red Cross also reached out Thursday to provide aid. Listen, this is why it's dangerous for people to take justice into their own hands. This is why we need the police, because the police have to be restrained. They're not always restrained. Not always. I'm I'm totally for reform, 100%. Let's talk about some of these reforms. Some of these reforms coming out of Colorado, I actually kind of like. But this is why defund the police is wrong. This is why abolishing the police is wrong, because vigilante mobs who just show up and, 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 and think something without evidence, they act, they act a fool. They burn people's homes to the ground. But it's not just this. Check this out. I got another story for you. Vigilante accused of attacking journalists during protest in Fishtown. Now, this is in Philadelphia. I live in the Philly area. Let me, let me read a little bit for you and give you some context. They say, a man was arrested for allegedly attacking a journalist and a woman during a confrontation between a group described as vigilantes and Black Lives Matter protesters in Philadelphia's Fishtown neighborhood. George Graff, 36, is charged with criminal conspiracy to commit aggravated assault, criminal conspiracy to engage in simple assault, simple assault. Yeah, 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 we get it. Officials said Graff was part of a group of men, some armed with bats and clubs, who posted outside the 26 police district headquarters in Fishtown back on June 1st, claiming they were there to defend the neighborhood from rioters and looters. The district attorney's office said they received several complaints as well as videos and photos showing physical assaults and threats of violence after the group clashed with protesters. They call them protesters, but this is amid ongoing riots. But the point is, vigilante justice is bad. I don't care who's doing it. I've recently been saying to get out there, you know, to defend, your, defend yourself, speak up for yourself and things like that. But I've explicitly said nonviolent protest works. And you got to understand that it does. Because now you have these stories about vigilantes being in the wrong. What you need to do if you want to protest is to link arms and not come out with baseball bats or weapons. And that's how you actually you don't attack people. Look, I try to explain this to people, man. I'm not saying everybody should go out and link arms around statues. I'm saying it's one of the things that people could do, but the left is way more organized than the right. What, I, what I'm saying for people, moderate, centrist, liberal, whatever you want to do, if you, if you see this weird far lefty stuff, is to just express yourself. I'm not saying go out and do something like this. I'm saying don't do this. Don't go out. Don't be violent. Look, you go out. And, and when violence happens, there's escalation and you don't want that. So when you go out, 
you can link arms and peacefully protest to protect your neighborhood. If Antifa acts a fool and you end up getting hit, guess what? You win. You win in public perception. Antifa wants to provoke people into attacking them so they can go, help, help, I'm being repressed. Then they can put up their videos where their media allies share them. I defer once again to the story of Andy No. He was out doing his thing. He got brutally beaten by Antifa and there was nothing the media could do. Oh, they try and smear him. They went after him hard and they still are. But most people in the press had no choice. A gay, ch- uh, a, a, a child of immigrants who happens to be out in the LGBTQ community, whatever you want to say it, was brutally beaten by far left extremists. And boy, did they look bad. A lot of people, they react to Antifa exactly how Antifa wants you to react. Don't play their game. They want you to show up with weapons so they can be the victims. That's their MO. It's what they've been doing the whole time. The far left is like, I'm the victim. Help me, help me. Don't attack the victim. And then as, you turn, as soon as you turn around, they stab you in the back. They want you to play this game where you show up and get angry and fight them so they can make you be the villain and then they can gain more ground and it works. So don't play these games. The people who look, the people who burned down that house in Milwaukee, I understand they had good intentions, but you play like now you look bad. Now you look like crazy people. The guys in Fishtown in Philadelphia who came out to defend the neighborhood. I get it, man. But now they accuse you of being the villain of attacking peaceful protesters. There was peace and you brutally attacked these people. That's what the media is going to say. They're going to highlight this and say far right extremists. And that's what they'll do. Don't bring out the weapons. Protest peacefully because then you win. And the scientific analysis shows it. The side that is for peace, law and order wins. The side that gets violent loses. And you know their allies and media will smear you. Now's the time for people to express themselves with their First Amendment to defend their rights with no fear. That's what needs to be happening. Peaceful expression, peaceable assembly. All right, I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I'll see you all then.